Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Mafia, can we get Cam the scheduled for Olinoscopy? Just schedule that in mid-August. He's got to learn the lesson the hard way about the tennis ball. It's Pharrell on the bench, coast to coast, <laughs> in the biggest way possible. Hanging out the bad seat, a broken day to bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad lie, bad do, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live at a FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands at East Rutherford, New Jersey, a stone's throw from New York City, the Big Apple. Ooh. People dressed in plastic bags, rented traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do be- All my friends that come around, flat to flat to party up, rats on the west side, bed bugs uptown, what a mess, this town's a tatter, my brains was splattered all over Manhattan, should do be shake it, who? Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Carver High Mafia, Ty Stick Jones, running it from Omaha, Beatville via Kansas City Mo at LTN, plus Maddie George, the ball carrier. It's a midweek, where do you hurt Wednesday? Let's get the birthday roll call going. Harrison Butker, Lucas Giolito, Carson Kelly, Shabazz Napier, Connor McGregor. What an ass hat. Darrell Rivas. I actually don't wish McGregor a happy birthday. I hope you have a miserable birthday. I hope someone uh, spikes your tea bag in the hospital. Uh, there you go. Darrell Rivas, Ronaldo Blackman, Tim Hudson, Eric Dampier, Robin Ventura. Billy Smith, Steve Stone. For Steve Stone, this is Harry Carey saying so long, everybody. And Rosie Greer, the Hall of Fame legend, 89 today. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Well, the AL did it again, Carver High. They win it 5-2. It's embarrassing. Eight in a row. All they do is cover. Jared Walsh with the diving catch with the bases loaded in the eighth off Chris Bryant. That was a play of the game for me. Eight straight, they've won 20 of the last 24 All-Star games. That's embarrassing for the National League. Vladi Jr. with a monster shot to deep left field. Wins the MVP of the All-Star game. Youngest player to ever win the award. He credits his dad. We've got him uh, talking about it. We've got the home run for you today. He also joined the Jordan brand with a fat endorsement deal. Kevin Cash, more worried about everyone playing than winning. We've got Cash, Dave Roberts, on the continued failures of the National League in the All-Star game. Otani's two days in Denver will break it down. Tatis and 
Scherzer both said baseball's back. Tim Anderson said the uni sucked. How about a Japanese player is the winning pitcher in Australian, gets the save. A Dominican gets the MVP. It shows baseball's diversity. And Manfred thinks the seven-inning doubleheaders and extra-inning runner rule will be gone next year. You know it will be. They want to eliminate the shift. We'll see if that happens. They still want the DH in the National League. Manfred not happy with uh, Stan Cast into the Dodgers. He made some comments off the cuff about the Bauer situation that the commissioner wasn't pleased about. The Mets discussed a reunion with Jonas uh, Cespedes. Please, God, already, can we stop with the nonsense with Cespedes, for Christ's sakes? We got Rick Gaiman talking about the Open. We'll break it all down. We'll hear from Rory, Rom, DeChambeau, odds to win it at Royal St. George. And Tony Romo and Manziel going to play in the Texas Open Golf Tournament. Plus, we'll hear from our boy Drano Leno about the Open today. We welcome all of our radio affiliates, Sirius XM Channel 204, our satellite partners, Mightier 1090 in San Diego and all of Southern California. Yeah, 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 be. Near Tijuana, do Yawana. Sports Map Radio, Sports Byline USA, Armed Forces Radio. Hoorah, soldier, hoorah. We'll talk about the NBA game four of the finals tonight. Chris Paul knows the Suns are going to bounce back. We'll hear from him. And Aiden won't let game three affect him tonight. D Book has washed away game three. Giannis knows his weaknesses and works to improve them. We'll hear from Giannis. Budenholz are not worried about the back and forth referee comp. Uh, you know, everybody's uh, complaining about the free throws and everybody's going back and forth. Middleton says the Bucks are figuring out the Suns' game plan. We'll hear from Middleton as well. We got your odds for the game tonight. Top scorer in game four odds. How about Team USA? They finally won a game. They blow out Argentina. Balanced scoring for the U.S. The Nuggets assistant, Wes Unsell Jr. and Bucks assistant, Darvin Ham are the front runners for the Wizards gig. The Bulls and Clippers interested in Lonzo Ball. I still smell L.A. for Lonzo Ball to go back to Lipstick City and play for the Clippers. They announced that Kawhi had the ACL surgery yesterday. We'll talk about that. Doncic and Candace Parker among several on the NBA 2K22 cover. They're the stars of it. She's the first chick ever to get on it. That's awesome for her. Richard Sherman busted today with the domestic violence charges. Burglary, hit and run. He's got all kinds of problems. Maybe uh, that'll cost him his season. We'll see. No one signed him yet. Jets are going to tag Marcus May, allegedly. Uh, Mahomes walks back on the Justin, don't call me Bobby Bear Herbert comments. We'll predict his stats, Herbert's. Quarterback tiers, top quarterback coach, duos, top running backs. We're going to argue all that today. We'll talk about the Bills Mafia. Should Ohio State worry about the Indiana Hoosiers and no longer worry about Michigan in their seasons? Brandon Carlo, a new deal in Boston. Kayvon Millar, or Miller excuse me, retires. And former Blackhawk Brent Sobel says every member of the 2010 Cup team knew about the allegations of misconduct against the former video coach and the sexual abuse charges against him. Uh, Nick Diaz going to fight Robbie Lawler at 266. We got it all for you. Federer withdraws from the Olympics. Messi re-signs at Barca. It's coast to coast. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
Hi, Pharrell, Coast to Coast, back at the Meadowlands in the Fandle Sports Book in East Rutherford, New Jersey. Of course, Carver High is in our Studio 34 in New York City. We'll start with baseball later in the second hour. Craig Mish will join us to do the same. We'll get into everything heading into the second half. All right, Carver High. Yes, let's talk about last night's All-Star Game. A very good outcome for me and you as the American League beats the National League 5-2. to two. It did get sweaty at the end. Bottom of the eighth inning. Bases loaded. Chris Bryant at the plate. Jared Walsh of the Angels saving the day in left field on Fox. 3-0 pitch. Did I hear like Alicia Keys there or something? Uh, all right, here's the deal. Uh, he's a uh, he's a first baseman. I, that was a very scary play. I thought he rounded the ball wrongly. I didn't think he played it well, and he got lucky. I think he uh, reached out, slid, and got lucky. Then tried to play all cool like he had it in you know the bag under control the whole time. If that ball got underneath him. You're talking about not only all three scores run, uh, get in, but I think literally that Bryant would have had an inside-the-park home yeah. run because I think that ball was going to spin left and go into the deep left corner, and he would have been laying and sliding forward. He would have had to get up and then race to the corner, and no one was there to help him. That was the biggest play of the game. No, it really was, and, of course, that helped cash the American League and the under for us last night on the bench. The American League has now won eight straight games and 20 of the last 24 All-Star games. Total domination from the American League. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., the big star last night. He wins the MVP, youngest player ever to win that award. And how did he get there? How about this deep bomb to make it 2-0 early in the game on Fox? Jesus. Watch out. Heads up. Say something to him on his way around. I don't know what he said. Wow. That is the 200th home run in All-Star Game history. And you could have chopped that up into two. I love how they mic up the players in the All-Star game and in you know spring training. I think it's really cool. They had Hendricks mic'd up last night, the closer. But uh, listen, that home run was so deep that it literally almost went to the barbecue stand. I mean, honestly, what a shot. And uh, we were doing the show. I said, that's, that's your MVP right there, that home run, because other guys hit home runs and they didn't matter. Here is Vladdy Jr. after the game, dedicating the home run and the MVP to his dad, Hall of Famer Vladimir Guerrero. Bueno, eso significa significa bastante para mí. A mi papá solamente quiero darle las gracias y esto es por ti. It means a lot to me. 
it means the world to me. And I just want to thank my dad. I just want to say thank you to him and that this is for you. Stunningly, that was Carver High as the interpreter there on Vladi Jr. And that was Carver High as Vladi Jr. after 18 Bud Lights. That was actually him speaking Spanish after almost finishing off a case. Yes, that's a case, almost a case of three <laughs> shots at Jack Daniels. You forgot about that as well. Vladdy Jr. also joins the Jordan brand. So Vladdy all over the place. All right, let's get to American League manager Kevin Cash. Was he worried about winning? No. All he cared about, Scotty, was making sure everybody got to play like it was Little League. Here's Kevin Cash. No. <laughs> I, I felt the pressure of getting everybody in uh, when we worked really hard. Q, our bench coach, did a tremendous job. The guys that wanted to pitch and, and, and needed to pitch got in. The position players, we got Nelly in at bat, which was big. The only guy that I'm still sick to my stomach about is Tim Anderson. He played two, two innings of defense. We left him stranded uh, on deck. But uh, other than that, it, no, there was no pressure of win or lose. Honestly, how do you bet on the National League? I have a, a player that, uh, and he's a heavy, and this guy, he said he's lost now eight years in a row. He's bet on the National League. What prompts someone to bet on that side when all they do is lose? Like, I just bet on the American League because they always win, and not because of the roster or the starting pitcher who play, you know, plays one inning. I don't care who it is, Otani, it could be your mother. All I know is, I bet on the American League until they lose, and that's every year until they lose. I mean, why would you go yeah, off of that train? <laughs> We're going to get back on it next year, Scotty, that's for sure. We're going to remember they lose every single year to them. Dave Roberts of the Dodgers, he's been the manager for a few of the losses in this National League losing streak. Here he is. He was hoping to do it, just couldn't get it done. I'm a part of three of them, uh, so not uh, the thing I'm most proud of. Um, they came out swinging tonight, and um, I think it's like, tw uh, nice we're like three and 17 or three and 20 maybe in the last 24. So uh, not ideal. Uh, like I said to uh, Bill earlier, I hope I get a chance to uh, win one next year. I don't. I think that'll be just fine if he loses another one. What do I care about his losing streak in the in the All-Star game? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that we win our bets and that he yes. uh, wins division titles and goes back to the playoffs and, and tries to get another ring. That's all that matters. I could care less about that All-Star game or that home run contest. It's all like eye candy, and that's it. Well, to tie it up, of course, Shohei Otani was a big part of it. He was the winning pitcher. He pitched one inning. He led off the game. Take a look, Scotty, at everything Otani accomplished during his two nights in Denver. He hit 28 homers in the Derby, had a 513-foot shot. He batted leadoff. He started the game on the mound, threw 100 miles an hour. There you go. Let's just hope he's got enough gas now for the second half so that he can win that AL MVP for us. I mean, it's really incredible, not only what he did, all those stats are amazing, but just that he has become the story. And I know everybody wants to play like it's Tatis or Vladi Jr. It isn't. It's still Otani. Otani is the biggest thing going in baseball, hands down. I love Tatis. I like watching him play. 
Uh, I don't think the Angels are good. I think the Padres are. But Otani's bigger, and that's just all there is to it. Several players after the game, Fernando Tatis Jr., Max Scherzer, and others said that baseball is back after the big crowds and the big performance at the All-Star Game. Tim Anderson said the uniform sucked. I agree with him. They were awful. You mentioned uh, the Japanese uh, win player was a winning pitcher, Australian player with the save, Dominican player with the MVP. Nice job right there, Major League Baseball. How about Rob Manfred? Think seven-inning doubleheaders and the extra inning rule will be gone next year? God, I hope so. He wants to possibly eliminate the shift. Good luck with that. He still wants to DH in the NL. Please do that. Manfred looking to change the rules, Scotty. Listen, uh, going back to, you know, with all the rules they want to change and everything else, it, baseball is not back. It's still boring, and it's easy to fill a stadium for an all-star game, and it's also easy to watch a Yankee game, and three innings in, I'm out like I just shot myself up with morphine. The shift, uh, everybody strikes out, all they do is swing for the fences. Uh, guys throw 100 pitches, they're out of the game. Bullpens stink. They don't hit and run. They don't steal bases. It's boring, and that's all there is to it. They can talk all they want about diversity and everything else. They have to stop with their stupid rule changes, and the game does suck right now. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Pharrell back at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands. And Carver High, I just want to say really quick, look, I still like baseball. I'm not saying I don't. Uh, I'm just saying I think it is uh, dull at times. I think it can suck you into the couch and, and you fall asleep. But look, I like it better than golf and tennis. I like it better than the UFC. I think the UFC has too many cards uh, and, and too many uh, bad cards. And I also think the great fights are too few and far between. And then the hype is so enormous. And then the letdown is even worse with, like, the McGregor fight. That was a terrible, disastrous uh, ending to uh, a, what was a, a great fight. So that happens too much for me. And boxing is too periodic for me. Uh, there's one or two good fights a year. That's it. So I still put baseball third for me behind the Stanley Cup playoffs and the NBA playoffs. There's no way I'm going to pick baseball baseball over basketball and hockey no and listen I, I'm I don't think it's back I don't think that those guys are right uh, just because they had some great scene and a big crowd at Coors Field that last night does not mean it's back they still have a problem uh, they have a problem with it's only a strikeout a walk or a home run they have a problem with some of these dopey rules that this commissioner needs to say that she claims he's going to get rid of at the end of the year there's things that make baseball really tough to watch right now so I'm with you. I think they are a long way from being back, that's for sure. And you mentioned golf. This week you do like golf because it's the Open Championship across the pond. Royal St. George's. Let's start our odyssey with the British Open 
with your man, Rick Gaiman. It's time for the Open Championship, the final major championship of the year and the sixth of this PGA Tour Super Season, an event that has not been played since 2019. Technically, Shane Lowry still the defending champion and we're headed to Royal St. George's in Kent, England, and this is just going to be an absolute amazing event, a true link style major championship, which means the ball can be or maybe should be played along the ground. Only one single tree on the property and the players will certainly be at the mercy of whatever wind comes off that coastline there in Kent. Uh, that will be the big defense, but also you'll see pot bunkers strategically placed around the grounds, undulation on these greens, the ability to play shots in many different ways. It is just going to be a true test of golf, both physically and mentally. We have seen over the last handful of Open Championships, you need to have that complete game. You need to be willing to shake off a bogey. Those are going to happen and just keep your head down and keep yourself grinding. This course, like many Open Championship courses, can play differently every single day, depending on the wind speed, the wind direction, and with some of these greens being 40 yards long, there's an opportunity to really shorten or lengthen many of the holes. It's going to play to a par 70, but that number is just a social construct because it doesn't matter what the scorecard says. All of these guys going out there and trying to put the ball in the cup in as few strokes as possible. Our final major championship of the year at Royal St. George. Look, I'll tell you what, uh, I've said this a million times. I think it's the best golf tournament in the world, bar none. Uh, with the conditions, the wind, the bunkers, uh, the links, uh, course, the temperatures, uh, the international flavor of it, uh, players from all over the world. Remember, you, you got to be invited to the Masters, the snooty, racist math Masters over the years with all the problems they've had at Augusta. Don't even tell me that uh, they aren't. They don't like anybody, women, blacks, Asians. Over the years, it's been a disaster. I know it's everyone's favorite tournament every year, and for good reason. That's great. But this kicks its ass. This is the best. You know why? Because all these players cry and complain and hate it. And Brooks kept it. We ran it the other day. He cried. He doesn't like the course. Whatever. Then go home. I mean, it's because it's so brutal and tough and it's so hard. And the conditions change so much day to day. It is the purest form of golf. It is torturous. It is agonizing, painful, irritating, difficult. It's everything. And I just think it's better than all the majors in the United States. It's that simple. Let's hear from some of the big players. Of course, we love Rory McIlroy here on Coast to Coast. He missed the cut at the Scottish Open last week. Might have been a good thing, Scotty. He got to go play Royal St. George's on Sunday, get an early start, and he says it helped him out a lot. Here's Rory. I feel good. Um, I've hit the ball really good in practice the last few days um feel like i figured something out on sunday here um which has been really good and uh you know hit the ball great on the range yesterday but i, I hit the ball well today on the course and um it's hard you know you're going 
think in a swing so much, and it's it's really about trying to get that blend of of getting your mechanics right, but then also letting your athletic ability and your instinct shine through as well. So it's just been just trying to get that balance. And um, you got to get lucky. You know, as I said, I feel like I figured something <laughs> out on Sunday, and and I feel good with it, and um, feel good about where I'm going in the. You know, I love Rory. I really do, and I always have, but I'm not feeling Rory at all. I'll tell you what, uh, this, and I can't wait to talk to Drano about it. This is a game at, at the Open where you have to, it's a, it's a combo meal. The, the player and the caddy have to be one in concert with one another. This is about figuring out shot placement. It's not about hitting fairways. There's no such thing. It's not about, uh, you know, how far you hit the ball. You hit the ball like King Kong, like DeChambeau. You can find yourself in hell. You can find yourself in the ocean. I'm talking about, like, in the ocean, you in the ocean. Forget about your ball. You'll jump in and drown yourself. All I know is if you don't work with your caddy at this opening championship, you're dead. You can be the greatest player in the world. These courses eat these guys alive. That's what I love about it. I don't think uh, Rory's going to win anything. John Rahm has been as hot as you can be. A win at the U.S. Open at Torrey Pines. He had a top 10 at the Scottish Open last week. It's been a long time, though, since he's played Royal St. George's. Here's John Rahm. I have played here before. I think I played in 2009. So the course hasn't changed. I've changed quite a bit. So <laughs> it'll be a different experience. Played uh, the British boys over here. And that was my first ever tournament, I believe, in Lynx Golf. So some fun memories from from the area, so I'm excited to see it this week. I've heard nothing but great things, and uh, really excited. Well, he did that when he was a kid, and now he's won a major, and congratulations on that major. He also won't be winning this week. <laughs> Here's another guy that I don't think will be winning. That, of course, Bryson DeChambeau. We know Bryson's deal, Scotty. Swing it, tee it high, and let it fly. A big hitter like him, how does he adjust? to playing across the pond on the Lynx course. Here's Bryson DeChambeau. You know, this is really the first time I've taken my length to Lynx golf, and we'll see how that plays. Maybe it plays out well, maybe it doesn't, and I'll continue to keep maybe trying it to doesn't. figure it out. Um, you know, I look at Tiger and what he did back in the early 2000s. So he had Iron it sure looks like, like the night sky over the Grand Canyon. He's, may come into play he's got soon, a great shirt there, on. There's too many I'll places out that. here. We're covering some of those bunkers as a huge advantage no matter what. So uh, that's kind of the game plan I'm going to take so, uh, as of right now. I cannot wait to watch this guy absolutely implode on this golf course with all of his BS and hitting the ball 400 yards. I can't wait. It's going to be the best thing that's happened to me in a month. Honestly, I cannot wait. Look, you could be the biggest hitter in the world. This is about being the smartest player for the next four days. The guy that can play the game, and you could be a guy that barely hits the ball at all, but if you keep it low and you roll it, and you know how to hit that flat surfboard two iron, and you know how to you know stick it and and low flying like uh, trajectiles. I mean, this ain't about going high. You go high here, the wind takes your ball uh, over to Turnberry. I mean, you're going to be in all kinds of problems. Trust me. And that's why that's actually one of my favorite props. If we get the prop boat out for the open here, one of my favorite props: Bryson to miss the cut at Fanduel. Plus I like 225, that. Scotty. Plus 225 for Bryson to miss the cut. I am going to play it. It's in my 600 tickets that I have lined up for the Open. Let's take a look 
at your favorites right now at FanDuel. I'm not kidding here either. I'm trying to pare it down a little bit. That's how many tickets we have working. John Rahm, 8-1, to one, your favorite at FanDuel right now. We've got Brooks Kepka at 16-1. to one. Xander Shoffley, please, 18-1. to one. Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Rory, 22-1. to one. Dustin Johnson, 25-1. to one. And Louis Oosthuizen on the board at 30-1. to one. I will quickly give you, Scotty, a very fast... Sheet of integrity. I like Rory twenty-two oh. to one. Tyrell Hatton thirty-three to one. The Irish Bear thirty-five to one. Shane Lowry, Matthew Fitzpatrick at forty to one. Cam Smith sixty-five to one. Christian Poseidonhoot, the Poseidon Adventure eighty to one. What? Corey Connors one hundred and fifty <laughs> to one. That is and listen. You know me. I play the same couple of guys each week, and then I sprinkle other guys in. I like the way Matthew Fitzpatrick is playing right now, going into this tournament at 40 to 1, and you know I always am going to bet on the Irish Bear. Listen, uh, these, these are reasons why I need to talk to Hot Nicole because, you know, she's on the ledge, ready to jump with all of your 600 <laughs> tickets. She doesn't even talk to you anymore. She's like, she uh, you know, Pharrell, he's got issues. <laughs> There's something wrong with him. He doesn't even golf but once a year, but he bets on 600 tickets in these majors. He doesn't even talk to his newborn son. All he talks about That's is, true. you know, golfers no one's ever heard of. You wonder why she doesn't want anything to do with you. It's embarrassing. You're a mess. Honestly, you need it's a shrink. It's all true, and I'm going to have to be up at 1.30 in the morning to watch Richard Bland tee off. Let's go. Disaster. <laughs> SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. So uh, we're back at the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, and hopefully, uh, Carver High, we're going to be able to hook up with uh, Andrew Lano here in a second. Uh, I see him there, but hopefully we can get him uh, back up and running. All right, so uh, do you think I'm crazy, Carver High, in the, in the sense that I'm going to uh, take Louis Oosthuizen and as my only chalk at all, but that's still 30 to 1 in terms of, you know, big names and then i'm going field literally uh beyond that i i'm taking absolutely zero big names to do anything in this thing i could be completely wrong and you know i probably will be but i just don't feel it i think you know no one could have predicted honestly that the bear would have won that thing uh, a couple years ago uh i mean the guy looks like he's 300 pounds he's a mess and no one picked him to win that thing and no one even picked Darren Clark when he did it. No one picked uh, Stuart Sink when he did it. I'm going with someone that no one expects. I'm, I'm going completely off the cliff. No, and I, I think Louie's a good pick, and he's been in the mix for a lot of these majors so far this year. We've seen him with a bunch of top five finishes, and 30-1 to 1 is a great price for Louie. We just need him to finish the job. Now, the last two times they played at this course, Scotty, I believe the two winners were 50-1 to 1 and 150-1. to 1. So at Royal St. George's, it seems like some long shots have come out on top. 
So I think it's a good place to look. There's a couple guys that I mentioned even in the, you know, in, in the 40 to 70 range that are going to be there. But from 30 under or better, I think Louie might be the choice out of all of them because of how he's played on the majors and how his game is going to translate to playing that Lynx-style course over there at Royal St. George's. All right, so uh, I think we're going to – why don't we just move on to the NBA and then uh, we'll try to bring him back around the other side. They're obviously having problems uh, connecting with him. Yeah, let's do that, Scotty. Of course, we have Game 4 of the NBA Finals coming up tonight. That's right. Usually, this is the deadest sports day of the year, the day after the MLB All-Star Game. Not this year, though, Scotty. We have NBA Finals Game 4, the Bucks and the Suns. Let's start it off with Chris Paul. He knows that the Suns are going to be able to bounce back tonight. I think it's more like what's our team like, you know, this... Same golf. It's not, it's not tennis. <laughs> you know what I mean? We we all in this together. So uh, everybody on our team took 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 the loss hard as we should. You know, we never go into a game expecting to lose. You know, if you show me somebody who expects to lose, I show you a loser. And so everybody on our team felt a way. Uh, we felt like we could be better, and that's why we'll use we use yesterday. We'll use today to prepare, and we'll all come out ready to play tomorrow. I love how he says uh, it's not uh, golf, it's not tennis. I mean, these uh, individual sports, it's no doubt a team sport. It's like my son's playing in a tournament right now, right? Uh, a high school tournament. And he's like, all these kids are iso ball, hero ball. Uh, they don't pass. Every time they get it, they chuck a three. Horrible shots. And uh, they don't play team basketball. And it's very frustrating to play like that. And then when he plays with the grown men on the weekends, the kid, uh, you know, moves the ball, controls the offense, does what he wants, drops steps, scores, drives, finishes. And he doesn't get to do that when he plays with ball hogs. It is all about movement, cutting, slicing, backdoors, and everything. All right. So we're going to uh, try to go back now to the golf. We'll catch up on the uh, NBA Finals. we got a lot to talk about with the Sons of Bucks tonight, but we have Drano finally uh, ready to talk about the Open Championship. I don't even care about the technical issues. Let's dive right into it. Drano, you have done this multiple times. Tell me your fondest memories of my favorite major. And I have said, I don't know if you heard me earlier, I, I get it, the Masters is everyone's favorite. I remember all the problems at Augusta with, you know, uh, you know, they don't like anybody down there. It's so stuffy. Uh, it's racial. It's everything. Uh, and I don't mind the U.S. Open. I think it's brutal. I think the PGA Championship is the redheaded stepchild. It has been for years. There's nothing that tops this for me. This is golf in its purest. This is international golf. Everyone can make it if their handicap's low enough. You can have some guy from a place you've never heard of playing in the Open Championship. I got to hear your stories. Hey, Farrell, great, great to be on. And, and yes, you're right. And, and funny, this is the 30-year anniversary of my first trip over to what was then called the British Open. So, I mean, it was very exciting. I went over there with Kenny Perry. We were both new, green to the whole situation, trying to learn how to play over there. We went to the Scottish Open earlier, like you saw some folks to get, you know, get our feet, get, get, get our levels and, and kind of get acclimated and um, played pretty well at the Scottish Open. And then we went to Birkdale 
and um, it didn't work out so well. So um, pretty pretty cool kind of play. I mean, it's a different brand of golf. The fans are unbelievable. They know the game. They know what's going on out there, and it, it's just a real a, adrenaline rush to be part of the Open, like you said, an historic you know, major in its own right. So of all the courses, you know, we've talked about uh, with Rick Haro, he's played all of them. And uh, my family, uh, half of it's from Belfast. They've played all of them. Uh, I've never played them. Uh, they won't let me in uh, to the countries uh, to play the courses uh, for federal reasons. I'm too cool. Uh, but they don't like me over there uh, with my foul language, uh, even though they're all a bunch of drunks and foul mouths themselves, potty mouths on the golf course. But what are your favorite courses over there? A lot of these guys are crying about St. George's, and I think they need to shut their face. I think every course there kicks ass, has its own little style and taste. They are all unbelievable. And to hear players crying about it and complaining about it, it's because they're all a bunch of wussies and prima donnas, spoon-fed country club Americans. All they do is cry to their mommies. Daddy belongs to two clubs. Over there, you got to be a man to play golf. You know, you're right, you do. And, and as they have, they, they call it the rota, is, you know, a bunch of the courses that they use. And, you know, obviously, um, um, St. Andrews is one of my favorites. Very cool kind of golf course. Nothing too fancy, but the history there is amazing. You know, Turnberry, they don't even play that anymore. That's fantastic. Muirfield, um, Royal Burkdale, the very first one that I went to. Basically, that's as close as you're going to get to American golf there if there's such a thing. So, yeah, you're right. You're hearing all the rumblings, and it's been known. Um, you can ask any of my co cohorts or colleagues. You know, Royal St. George's isn't a favorite, but guess what? Everybody's playing the same course. Everybody's there for one reason. They want a major, and it's not really going to matter come Sunday when the winner puts out. So let me ask you this question. I said earlier that you have to play a two-man game. If you don't work with your caddy at the Open starting tomorrow, you might as well call your wife and get a flight home. Because if you think that you're smarter than this golf course or any of those golf courses without the absolute insight and wisdom of everything, of every angle, every shot, every distance, every hill, every mole, every bunker, and the speeds of the wind, the speeds of the fairways, the speeds of the greens, if you don't listen to your caddy at the open and you think you're, you know, DeChambeau calling his own shots, I mean, the guy won't even make the cut. I'm telling you, if it's not a two-man in concert with the caddy, the player and caddy have to be one. For sure. I mean, obviously that's the rule every week, but it's especially important this week. You know, the caddies get over there, and they got lots of homework to do because this isn't a familiar course. As you know, the last time it was played, 10 years ago. So who remembers? Well... Most of the veteran caddy, caddies on the on the European tour do, and some of the Americans that have been around, they will know it too. But lots of homework to do, lots of greens, lots of lines off the tee. Um, there's a lot of luck involved at this course, honestly. I mean, you could literally, and you'll see it, you'll hit it down the middle, uh, and it'll land on the fairway, but the humps and bumps will spit it into the rough. So there's going to be a lot of luck this week. Driving, it's going to be great. Obviously, hitting, you know, accuracy is going to be great. But like you said, 
getting with your caddy. I mean, I've been there, and working as a team, it's going to be key, and I'd be shocked come Sunday afternoon that whoever wins, it will be a, a, a caddy and a pro that have been together for a while. Like, so tell me about uh, what it's like in the wind and the weather changes and the and the cold. And, you know, one day it'll be sunny and the next day it'll be driving rain and blowing winds and cross winds. And, I mean, how in God's name do you deal with that? It has to drive you guys nuts. Well, you're right. And, honestly, there's some days where you just take the wind chart and you might as well just crumple it up and throw it into the trash can because it doesn't matter. There's a lot of luck. It's, golf is a game of feel. And honestly, when you play Lynx golf, like they're playing this week, which is, you know, generally what they say along the ground, most of the courses in the USA, you're playing horse carries. So this is a different kind of game. It's a different kind of thinking process. you got to have some great imagination. And yes, the wind is all about feel. Sure, you can throw up the grass. It can change when your ball's in mid-flight. It's a tremendous challenge, but the veterans that know are going to stay calm and they're going to stay focused. They're going to take one hole at a time and they're going to just work. You know, they're just going to take on what they have. But the wind is going to blow. It's going to blow from the north the first day and then it's going to shift a little out of the northeast. So it's going to be, believe it or not, unseasonably sunny weather this year. Doubt you'll see the umbrellas and the rain gear according to the forecast. So it's going to be kind of a neat deal, and I think everybody's really going to enjoy watching it. Tom Watson was my favorite golfer my whole life, and why was he so good at it? Why was he so good at the Open? I mean, for one, he had great imagination, tremendous chipper and putter. So if you notice on these greens, you can get it. Your ball can actually roll on the green, and then all of a sudden it rolls off the back. Now, all of a sudden, you're using what's called the Texas wedge. You might putt it from 60 yards. Tom Watson had tremendous touch, tremendous touch, and a fairly underrated driver of the golf ball. I mean, and an obviously a terrific iron player. I mean, he didn't, you know, win the majors that he did without doing that. But his imagination in short game, that's usually what comes to the top in British Opens. So I took Excuse me, the and, Open. Uh, I, I took Louie and the field and no big names. Uh, Louie at 30 to 1 and the field. And I have a feeling it's going to be some far out, far reaching player that gets it done, as always. And I'm way over uh, into the Euro uh, family. I'm all about the Europeans this week. Yeah, well, the funny things have happened at this golf course. So I think that part of it, I mean, I, I mean, it's Carver High made comment on it. I mean, it's not like, I mean, the last guy that won that people might, I mean, they're all great champions, don't get me wrong. Greg Norman, he was incredible in, um, in, in 93. So um, anyway, I, I'm with you. I think a long shot or somebody that hasn't won is going to come, come this year. All right. Hey, Drano, you're the man. I'm glad we finally got you on. You're a badass. Enjoy the Open. Let's get you on the radio show. I'll have Mafia or Carver High reach out. We'll get you on the bench uh, after these rounds. You're the man. Thanks for coming on Coast to Coast, buddy. Love you. All right. You got it, Pharrell. Good luck. Thanks. There's, there's Drano Leno. He used to love it by Saturday. He was 60 pints deep at the Open Championship. He loves the beer over there. 
SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, Pharrell back at the FanDuel Sportsbook in the Meadowlands in East Rutherford, New Jersey on the grid. Carver High, would you prefer to watch Lynx golf like at the Ocean Course at Kiowa, like when they had uh, a major there recently and when they had the Ryder Cup there and when they're playing at uh, the Open Championship at Royal St. George's, or would you rather watch just a normal golf course week to week on a PGA Tour? It's not even close. And I think those fans at the Open Championship are better golf fans than American golf fans. I think American golf fans are country club posers. I prefer the courses that are different. I prefer this week. I prefer seeing something that I don't normally watch week in, week out. So, yes, I prefer the open courses. I prefer when they had it at Kiwa. Those are really where I like to be, Scotty. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a really fun weekend of golf. Uh, more NBA for you. I did want to talk to you about LeBron because we're always worried about his, his movie projects, and I know he's got a big movie coming out, whether it's this weekend or next weekend. Uh, he's in talks to sell equity in his Spring Hill company. That's his production company. The stakes are looking to be sold to value the company at... Hold on to your chair there. $750 million. That's how much LeBron's production company's worth. And, and he thinks he might not finish his career in Los Angeles? I mean, are we serious yeah. here? Come on. I Come mean, on. I wonder how much he's going to sell that barbershop for. I mean, honestly, this guy's <laughs> all about Hollywood, making movies, making TV shows. Being famous and being on the red carpet, I mean, that's why he went there. I'm convinced of it, uh, undoubtedly. It wasn't for uh, basketball. It was to uh, be in Hollywood. Yeah, and now he's going to make even more money off of it when he sells all these shares of this company, and the money just pours even, even more. He doesn't need to play basketball anymore. Like, he doesn't even need to sign another contract. with. He's going to make tons of money off of this deal. LeBron, you think that's life. money? It must be nice. You you think that's money, what you're talking about? What do you think that uh, Marvel is worth and all of oh. those uh, movies? I watched all the Thor movies oh. in a row, I told you, and I watched all the Avenger movies. I mean, I'm getting ready to watch uh, the, all of them. Coming at you all day. Every day. With more attitude than other lesser networks would deem appropriate. We are. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.